Grace and mercy and peace be with you, my dear friends in Christ, from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. This is the second Sunday of Advent. Again, we have two uh, blue candles lit at the front of the Advent wreath. Advent is this season of coming, uh, of, of waiting, of preparing, not just for the birth of Jesus at Christmas, but Advent is also about us Christians waiting patiently for the return of the Christ. We Christians are waiting. We are waiting. We are people who wait and prepare for the return of Jesus when he will come again to make all things new. So that's what we do in this Advent season. And we recall that just as Jesus had been promised to come once, and he did, he has promised he will come again. Therefore, we know that he will. During these Sundays in Advent, we are focusing on this theme of the Sabbath. The Sabbath, and that, that there is rest for those who wait. The Sabbath is that third commandment of God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, as I mentioned last week, if you were here, the word in Hebrew, Shabbat, that word Sabbath, literally means rest. It literally means to rest. And so we are commanded by God to rest. Why? Because just as God created in six days and on the seventh, he rested. On the seventh day, he rested. And how did he rest? He looked and reflected back on what he had made and he delighted in it. He rejoiced in it. And so just as God worked for six days and rested on the seventh, so too are we commanded by God to work and to rest. See, God knows us. He created us, right? He created us to be people who work, who, who do things in this creation. We are not meant to be idle people. But God also created us to be people who rest. He created us to work, but also to rest. He knows that we need to rest. And this is, this is why I said last week, and I'll say it again, that, that the Sabbath is God's gift to us. It is a gift of God that he has given us the command to rest. It's a gift. And why is it a gift? It's a gift because God says, rest. God says rest. This is a big part of what I want you to hear week after week, and I'm going to say it multiple times. I said it last week, and I'm going to keep saying it over this sermon series about the Sabbath, that the, that the Sabbath is God's gift to you. We live busy, hectic, stressful lives in the midst of a world that is anxious and seems to be on the brink of disaster at any old moment. Don't we? And we live in a world that would love to wrap you up into that kind of stress and anxiety and busyness. But in all of that, we have a God who has created us and said to us, find rest in me. Find rest in me. And when I say rest, this is God speaking, when God says rest, he doesn't just mean relaxation. He means finding rest, true rest in him. To find rest where Jesus is present. Last Sunday, if you were here, we predominantly spent our time in the Old Testament. Looking at the foundation of why the Sabbath was created in the first place. Why God gave this gift to people. Last week, that's what we, what we did. And if you weren't, if you weren't here um, I'd encourage you to check that out. We, we archive all of our sermons. There's video, there's audio available. We, you can check that out on our, we have a church app you can download for your phone or tablet or, or find us online. 
And I'd encourage that because uh, it's a word of, of rest and of peace in the midst of busyness. And so if you weren't here and you're feeling restless, I'd encourage you to check that out. Or if you know somebody who's anxious and worried, share it with them. And I believe God would speak through these kinds of things. But last week, again, we focused on the foundation of the Sabbath. Today, we are going to be in the gospel lesson, and our focus is on how Jesus dealt with the Sabbath. So we're, our, our theme for today is Jesus and the Sabbath. Now, in that gospel lesson today from Mark chapter 2, Jesus had a run-in with these guys called Pharisees. He had a run-in with, with the Pharisees because his disciples had plucked some grain by hand and eaten it on the Sabbath day. But who are these Pharisees? Uh, some of you know this, but it's always good to refresh us. Who are these guys called the Pharisees? Well, the, the Pharisees were a sect of, of Jews, kind of like a denomination within Judaism. And, and the Pharisees, their goal was to be very, very good Jewish people. And the way that they wanted to be very, very good Jewish people was to not break God's laws, right? That's how Jews were to live, to, to abide by the laws that had been given uh, by God to Moses. And so that's what the Jews did. The Pharisees, they really wanted to protect God's laws. And so they wanted to do everything they could to not break it. But what they did in uh, their attempts to not break the law was, a sense, in a sense, they built a fence around God's laws. It's like they built a fence around the Ten Commandments. They built a fence around the law of Moses just in case, like, so that you would get to this fence before you ever got to the law of God, just so that the law of God could be protected, <laughs> right? So if you want to not break God's law, you just add another layer of laws around it. And that's what the Pharisees did. They wanted to try to keep God's law, so they added to God's laws. And by doing this, what they actually did was they made God's law more burdensome than it's actually intended to be. And here's what happened in that lesson from Mark chapter 2. Jesus and his disciples were walking around as they, as they did. And on this Sabbath day, his disciples were hungry. So they grabbed some grain from, an, from somebody's field and they started eating it. But the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, why would you allow your disciples to do what is unlawful to do on the Sabbath? Okay? So the Pharisees make the claim that it's unlawful for them to pick grain on the Sabbath day. All right? Now here's, here's the deal. You know how I mentioned that fence, how they built a fence around the law? This was part of the fence. The, the Pharisees tried to protect that third commandment, remember the Sabbath day, by keeping it holy, by adding this layer of saying, you should not pick grain from your neighbor's field on the Sabbath day. Jesus calls them on account of this, and he says, you know what? What you are saying is actually not true. What you're saying is not true. It is actually lawful to pick grain on the Sabbath, according to the law of Moses. We'll get to more of this in a minute, but you know, these, these Pharisees, again, they, they, they tried to add to God's law, to protect God's law. Uh, and, and the Pharisees added this additional law of, of not uh, picking grain on the Sabbath. Do you know what a, what a Uper Pharisee uh, would, would do? If there were a Pharisee in the UP? A Uper Pharisee would definitely add to God's law and say, it is unlawful to move snow on the Sabbath. Right? Wouldn't you? Right? It should be unlawful for that. But even I moved some snow this morning before coming to church. Right? All right. 
actually, I got to say, I give, I give God a, an immense deal of uh, gratitude for all of you. It, it can be hard work to get to church in the UP. And so the fact that you guys are here and you actually had to work to get here, I give God thanks for you. All right? So that's a little side note. But how does Jesus answer their question, right? So they say, what are, you, why, what are you doing? Why are you allowing the disciples to do something that's unlawful? How does Jesus answer? He answers by referring them back to the Old Testament. He says, don't you know what David did? This is before David was king. He tells this story. He, he said, don't you know what David did? When David and his friends were hungry, they went into the temple. And in the temple at this time, there was this thing called the bread of the presence, which was fresh bread that was always left in the presence of God in the temple. You know what David and his friends did? They went and ate it. <laughs> and he shared it with his friends. That was not lawful to do, okay? You were not supposed to do that. And so Jesus says, you hold David up as this, you know, perfect guy, right? What did he do? He actually broke God's law. Us? We're not breaking God's law. We're breaking your law, right? Jesus is making two main points to the Pharisees. He's making two main points. His first point to them is, is you know, it's almost like, a, you know, calling their legality uh, into question, like a good lawyer would. Jesus says, your understanding of the law is not correct, right? He says, your understanding of the law is not correct. You say it's unlawful to pick grain on the Sabbath. It's actually not. But he's making a deeper and more important point as well to the Pharisees. And what he's saying to them is, you have turned God's Sabbath from a good gift into an incredible burden. So Jesus is saying to the, to the, to the Pharisees, you've, you've, you've changed God's law into a burden instead of being a gift. And now it's the second point that I want to spend the rest of our time talking about today. Jesus is clearly making a point to the Pharisees that the Sabbath is not intended to be burdensome for us. The Pharisees had made it a burdensome thing. What is the Sabbath designed for? Again, I've said it and I'll say it again. The Sabbath is designed for us to find rest. To find rest. To delight in the fact that God has provided for us, that he's given to us our daily bread, that he's even given us the ability to work. And we find our delight in God. We are to delight in what God gives us. This is why Jesus says at the end of uh, that passage from Mark, this is why he says the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. The, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not here first and then God put people into it. He says, I created man and then I created you and gave you this gift to be able to rest. We are so quick uh, to try and add to God's good and perfect law for us. As, as sinful human beings, we oftentimes add these little fences and details and policies to God's law that weren't there in the first place. Here's what I mean. I mentioned it last week, but, but I'm going to mention it again. Uh, when it comes to this concept of the Sabbath, I have been asked so many times by people, Pastor, just tell me plainly, how am I supposed to keep the Sabbath? What can I do? What can't I do? Am I allowed to, to work? Am I allowed to do my hobbies? Or should I not do anything? A am I allowed to even endorse people uh, who are doing something and getting paid on the Sabbath? Or should I just avoid any uh, option to uh, allow people to get paid on the Sabbath? I'm wearing football socks today. These are football socks. There's going to be people playing football today. I'm going to watch some football today. Should I watch football? Because they're getting paid to work on the Sabbath. Should I, should I do that? Well, 
Let me say it like this. I'm working on the Sabbath today, right? And you're all endorsing that. What? What's the deal, right? So we ask all these questions. We ask these questions like, how do I do this perfectly? What am I supposed to do? Friends, can I say it again just like this? The Sabbath is God's good gift to you. The Sabbath is intended for you. For you. It is not supposed to be burdensome. Rest is a good thing. And how should we rest? Again, we rest here definitely in God's house. To hear this word of forgiveness in Jesus Christ, to hear that there is eternal life promised for us, we're here to rest by building one another up in the faith. Yes, we do that here. And then we go into our homes, into our daily lives with our family or whoever God has given to us. And what do we do? We spend time, hopefully, giving God thanks. How often do you just look around your house and say, God, thanks for the daily bread you give me. Thanks for this daily provision. Thanks for this daily provision. God gives you all of these things on a daily basis, just what you need, just when you need it. And so we rest and we reflect in what God has given to us. But Jesus is making even a bigger point here. He's making a really big point here in this whole section about what he's doing. And Jesus is telling them that he is doing something different, right? He's talking to the Pharisees, good Jewish people, right, who just want to do the right thing. But Jesus is here to tell them he's doing something different. He's doing something different. And things are about to change. He tells them, I'm not here to create another law and another fence. I'm not here to even abolish the old law. Jesus is telling them that he is the new thing. Jesus is saying that I am here to bring about something new. And what's the new thing? It's a new relationship. You have a new relationship with God where Jesus is present. You have a new gift, and that new gift is new life. Where Jesus is, there is new life, and in this new life, there is rest. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, my friends. Jesus has overcome the world. In Jesus, there's new life, and this is what Jesus wants you to know. I want to explain this one last way today, and it's in in an image, in the shape of an octagon. So I'm going to put an octagon up on the screen. I want to talk about the number eight just for a minute. How many days are there in a week? Seven, right? God, rest, or God worked, he created for six days, and he rested on the seventh, right? And so too, we as God's people are always to work for six and rest on the seventh. Today is what day? It's Sunday, right? Now, it depends on how you count the days, but most people would say that this is probably the first day of the week, correct? This is how the week begins. But what if we also considered it to be the eighth day? The first day and the eighth day. Think about it like this. God created in six days. He rested on the seventh. What would that eighth day have been? What would that signify? Life, right? A, a new creation, the, the wholeness of life, and the, this abundant life, the eighth day, new life. This number eight and its representation shows up in the scriptures in a couple of places. How old was a Jewish boy when he was to be circumcised, you know? Eight days old. 
eight days old. And in that act of circumcision in the Old Testament, that was the means by which you were identified as God's chosen person, part of his family on the eighth day. And what does that signify? New life, new life, new life. In Jesus' life, in that very last week of his life, where was Jesus on the Sabbath? Where was he on the seventh day? Do you know? He was in the grave. So what did Jesus do on that Sabbath? He was resting, right? Jesus was resting, and what did he do on the next day, that, that first day of the week, or if you want to call it the eighth day of the week, what did he do? He rose from the dead, and in the resurrection of Jesus, there is what? New life, a new creation, a new creation. In the Bible, in the Bible, in the New Testament, baptism is seen as the new circumcision for all people to, as the means by which we are brought into the family of God. Here, in this baptismal font, you know how many sides it has? Put it up on the screen. How many sides are there here? Do you know? Can you see it? Eight. Baptismal fonts mostly always have eight sides to them, even the one in our old one in the chapel. Why eight sides in baptism? Because in baptism, what are we promised? New life. New life. That in baptism, we are united with Jesus in his death and in his resurrection, and we have the guarantee of new life. We have the guarantee of new life. Now, if we take this approach with the Sabbath, think about it like this. We work for six days and we rest. And on this day of rest, it is also a day of new life. It's a day of new life. God says to you, my friends, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You are a new creation. The Sabbath is intended for you, for a gift, not to be burdensome, but that you can find rest and delight in who you are as a child of God. As we continue in this Advent season, once again, we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ because when he returns, new life will come fully true and we will be fully made new on that day. We will have whole life and perfect life. When he comes again, it will be full and complete. But until that day, we wait. We wait patiently on the Lord, knowing that each and every day we have gifts and provisions from him, and each and every day we have this gift of new life in Jesus Christ. Next week, as we gather together, the, the sub-theme uh, for next week will be that there is rest for those who wait. And so as we've tracked with the Sabbath through the Old Testament and through the Gospel, we're going to go right to the end and we're going to look at what it will look like when Jesus Christ returns once and for all and we find that final Sabbath rest in him. So go in this week, delight in what God has given to you, find rest in Jesus, my friends, in his name. Amen.